gather together, isn't it? And Isaac, you bless my heart being up here today. You see his big smile. Oh my. Great guy. Appreciate him helping out. And, uh, I told him that anyone who wants to come up and help me say, I could call all of you. Of you but you have your Bibles, let's turn together to Romans chapter 12. Just be reading two verses there. Our topic this morning is Disciplined Believers. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your minds, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. This week, Fred Holmlife's mother passed over to glory. Tuesday at 12 o'clock noon, we'll have a graveside service for her and the family. So we can pray for the Holmlife family. About two and a half weeks ago, I think, I was out at the Longwood, or Paramount, I guess it's called, now. and <clears throat> Uh, they were just finishing up breakfast, and I visited with Vivian, and I looked over, and there was Fred's mother, and I'm so glad I remember just took a few minutes to talk with her. She didn't really know me at first, and then I said, well, Fred goes to my church. Oh, and then she gave me a big smile, and it was all right with that. But uh, bless her, family, and we are in prayer. Because you know you only have one mother, and it pulls at your heart when they leave us. But it's just a change of address, right? Someday we'll have the privilege of being with him again. Discipline believers. I did want to mention also today is Holocaust Sunday. Let's remember our Jewish brothers and sisters. As many are still living that remember those days when their families perished. And I pray that that would never happen again. So we want to be in prayer for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Let's bow our heads now for a word of prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have this joy and delight to be met together in the house of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is here and you've touched our hearts already. I just pray today that you continue to guide and direct. May the blessed Holy Spirit minister to every heart. As I share your word, Lord, you take that word to our hearts and you can implant it there. Lord, that we can walk worthy of the calling that you've given to us. So bless this congregation, each and every one. I just thank you for them. Our guests, each one has come today to worship with us. Lord, we just want to lift up Jesus Christ. We can never thank you enough for what you've accomplished for us there on Calvary's cross. I pray that you would touch each life here today, every family that is represented. Lord, you can look within our hearts. You know those that have had a tough week, gone through experiences or situations that they needed you, and I just pray an added blessing to them. Maybe there's someone here today that needs a touch of healing on their life, and we just pray that you minister to that one. All of us, Lord, together, may we love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, as believers should. Pray, Lord, today 
as our brother Nudson already prayed for our missionaries around the world that are out giving of themselves their lives and all that they can do. I think of Orville and Cheryl Hayes, they'll, well, they're probably now in the air, we're leaving at 10 o'clock today to go back to their mission point. Praying, Lord, did you just make them a blessing there in that very needy nation where they're working, Malawi, or Mozambique, rather. Lord, I pray that many souls could come to you. You bless the pastors there as they work together, Lord, that your kingdom would be enriched. Now, Lord, we just commit this service to you, ask that you guide and direct all that's said and done. We look at your word, Lord. Help us to love you, love your word, and to live it out to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' worthy name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. When I say the word discipline, You probably had one of two reactions, either it was positive or negative. A lot of times it determines on how you were raised. In your home, if you had harsh discipline, it's a term you don't like to hear. And then you had loving discipline. I guess I had a little bit of both. But can you imagine having twin boys? As I get older, I think, oh my. God's grace was so with my dad. But he was a little on the harsh side. Her mother was the other way. But yet, I must say, I remember those times we would go to the bedroom and we'd kneel down together. She would pray for us before she'd paddle. Now, not my dad. He'd grab a switch off a tree, anything close. Wow, we got it. But my dear dad was a little that way. Quick on the gun. Do you know what really settled on my heart the most? It was time that Mother prayed. I'll never forget that. And believe me, I probably needed more discipline than I received. And so thank God for the good parents I had. <clears throat> but I think in the culture we live today, discipline is not a very popular word. People do not want to submit to authority. They want to do it their way. And I think that's some of the reason we have the problems that we have in our nation. And yet, I was reading this week of a country down in South America. I hesitate to mention because I'm not quite sure which one it was, but utter chaos. And they have two people claiming to be president. Can you imagine what that would be like? And so, thank God for America and the disciplines that we have. Those red lights that you have to stop at, you know, why did that turn red on me? But can you imagine what it would be like if you had no red lights? I remember well when Hurricane Andrew came through Florida and we were living during that time. We went down to Miami the next day. Friends of ours, their parents lived down there. We were going to check on them. All the lights were off in the big city of Miami. That wasn't interesting. Cars everywhere pointed to the intersection. Whoever was brave enough for it. I don't know how there were more accidents. And so we need rules, we need regulations, we need discipline. Discipline, one dictionary says, is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. To achieve becoming a well-disciplined person there has to be those healthy strategies used. 
and helping us. Otherwise, there's nothing but rebellion. If we are to be disciplined Christians, believers, we must be showing self-control in patterns of behavior of what we do. Self-discipline is just that, a pattern of behavior where you choose to do what you know you should do and maybe not want to do. When I thought of little children, it's not natural for a little guy to leave that cookie alone after mom said, don't eat out of the cookie jar. I see Jack giving me the smile. <laughs> it's not natural. They need that sense of discipline from mother and from daddy. But being disciplined helps us as we grow older, as we meet those hardships of life, whether it's physical or emotional or mental. Because when discipline is weak, even the most uh, well-equipped army is liable to fall short when faced with hardship or adversity. And so here's where that, that positive attitude uh, for the Christian soldier must stand out head and shoulders above those around him. Christ calls for all of us to be true disciplined believers. Amen? Every one of us. I remember when my brother Ron was a prison guard CO down at uh, Harrisburg there, the Dolphin County Prison. He said, literally, sometimes he felt he was just babysitting adult children who never learned discipline at home. And so we know that discipline is positive. It's good for every one of us to develop, to mature into the Christian that God would have us to be. I think it's very vital. And this morning we want to look at several verses of Scripture throughout uh, the book of Romans and uh, elsewhere. Uh, thinking on this line of discipline. There's a vital truth there in Romans 6, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you're not under the law, but grace. You see, I believe the blessed Holy Spirit wants to set us free from a life of struggle to one of victory. Trying to live the Christian life solely by rules and regulations will lead one to defeat and and frustration. Paul declares there in Galatians 5.1, For freedom of Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In that very same chapter, verse 13, we must not forget that he goes on, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Beautiful words. You see, when liberty leads to license, you end up with the worst kind of slavery. That's what forms cult movements. Using scripture out of context to suit their wishes and movements. When you're driving a car, isn't it? A thrill verb when you put down that gas pedal. You've never experienced that, a real excitement. You come arrive with words sometimes. He takes me back to when my 
oldest brother had a 58 Chevy, and he would put a, I don't know, five or $10 bill in the dash, and he'd say, now, when I started, you can get that, it's yours, and he kept us pasted in the seat. <laughs> power, raw power. But don't forget, the brake pedal is just as important. Just as important. Well, our opening scripture there in Romans 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul realizes we are in the world, but not part of it. He tells us to present our bodies as living, what? Sacrifice. Now, isn't a sacrifice something that in the Old Testament they killed and put on the altar? But it was totally given to that altar. And I think that's what Paul is saying. We are living sacrifices, totally giving ourselves over to God and allowing Him to work through us. God, our Creator, Yes, has made every one of us with God-given desires, such as the desire for food, sleep, sex, and to keep living, just to name a few. Those are God-given desires. Now, through the fall of Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden. These appetites, given for our enjoyment as much as necessary Preservation have gotten out of hand. You know, your appetites can master you if you're not careful, rather than you being master over them. A hearty appetite degenerates into gluttony. A healthy desire for sleep into laziness. The normal sex drive, which God designs for marriage only, turns into lust abnormal experiences. Self-discipline, my friends, means gaining mastery over our bodies, just as a young horse must be broken if it's to be useful. I think of this scripture, and it just comes to me now, where Paul says, I beat my body to keep it under. He doesn't want his body to be a mastery. There in 1 Corinthians 6.12, the Apostle Paul also said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. That's a good word there, Paul. This passage of Scripture, I believe, is clear that we as Christians must use self-control. Later in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Do not, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And yes, what a price. What a price Jesus paid there on the cross. So I think Paul's made it quite clear that the use of our body in practicing sexual immorality outside of marriage is S-I-N. I know that I've had people say to me, that's pretty harsh, Pastor. I don't like when you talk like that. It's scripture. It's what the Bible teaches. 
So as Christians, we need to evaluate our right to do all things. Ask yourself these four questions. And I got these from a book, I can't remember now where, but listen to these words. Number one, is the thing contemplated beneficial? Number two, will the practice in question overpower or dominate me? Number three, will the practice support the truth that the body is for the Lord who created it and intended it for his use, for his glory? And number four, will it support the truth that the Lord is for the body? That is, the Lord has redeemed the body. And so I submit to you very clearly that for the Christian, we should have no part with sexual immorality. Because the body is not meant for sexual license, but it's for the Lord. So parents, be teaching your children from little on up to live pure and holy lives. I've heard people say, well, I'm glad I can bring my children to church. They have Sunday school and church service, so they'll, they'll know the truth. Well, how much time do we literally have a child in the church? A few hours a week. You have them with you all week long. The Old Testament is in Scripture. says, but when you rise up, you talk about the things of the Lord. Throughout the day, when you lay down, it's a constant teaching that is going on. As believers, we must live against the norm of our world today. Our culture must not dictate to us how to live. Live by the Bible. It's a sad thing when people think if the Supreme Court says it, that makes it right. The Bible is going to be our judge, not the Supreme Court someday. I encourage you to take time to read this scripture. Maybe you want to jot it down. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. Read that. Meditate on it. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into without walls. A nation made sensual pleasures its goal, as did ancient is sowing seeds of its own destruction. It's here, as good soldiers of the faith, brothers and sisters, we need to rise up and fight for the standards of purity. That's not only the single person, but also the married person. Oh, there's so many voices out there clamoring for our attention to justify almost anything. The right is still right, and wrong is still wrong. I believe what the Bible says. And we live by it. And you know how you do that? By spending time in the scriptures to know what it says. Remember, we are to be the salt and light of the world. So let's know what the word says. And yes, there's going to be those times of hurt when that salt will sting. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 22, clearly you're going to be hated. You'll be hated of all for my name's sake. But, I like the rest of that, he who endures to the end will be saved. 
Satan hates a pastor who takes a stand against sin. Just recently, I heard the pastor out west uh, had on his church sign about abortion being wrong, and the community rose up against him. In fact, the church left him go. And then I read down through the comments, and some of his own church members are saying, Pastor, you were correct. We're sorry that you had to leave your church. Biblical truth, friends, is not popular today. Don't be surprised if, if people get angry at you. But it doesn't change the truth. Pete and I both covet your prayers as we give a united front against the moral decay in which we find ourselves in our society. May God help us to be a praying people, a biblical people, talking about being disciplined believers this morning. And we must be that if we want to win the race. It's important to have that goal in mind. So another area of self-discipline is keeping your mind pure and in check. You know, temptation begins with the thought. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And then he further goes on there in chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In the next chapter, in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so, friends, we must take every thought captive and obey it for Christ. Closely associated with the minds are the emotions, the affections, and they need to also be disciplined. Some people find themselves, they can be overcome quicker than others in their emotions because God has not made us all the same. We're all different. But he has help, nevertheless, for every single one of us. Oh, yes, maybe it's the tongue that is your problem, that needs greatest self-control. It may be little, but it's powerful. That little member has caused much trouble to the cause of Christ. Tongue can be used to criticize, to gossip, to slander, to backbite, to misrepresent, and to exaggerate, and many other things that do not honor God or His kingdom work. These actions need forgiven and taken care of. Read the book of James. He has a lot to say about the tongue. But he also says in chapter 1, verse 26, and these are very, very Close words that we need to listen carefully to. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Wow. That comes pretty straight, doesn't it? And so we need to do all in our power to be reconciled one to another. That's what brings the heart peace. 
and joy. And it gives honor and glory to God. You know, I remember back in Bible college the term sandpaper personality. It didn't take me long to experience that. I love people, and I try to get along with everyone, but there are those ones that just break you the wrong way. And you have to say, Lord, help me to love them, even when it's difficult. Jesus wants us to get along. What seems impossible to God is or impossible to man is possible with God. So we can say no to ourselves and yes to the cross. Let's embrace the cross, not just our selfish desires. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said this. He spoke of having toward God a heart of flame, toward man a heart of love, and towards himself a heart of steel. Those words sink in. A heart of flame to God, a heart of love to man, and a heart of spirit for himself. And we never forget what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Romans 6.10 says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. I am so thankful for the gift of salvation that he has provided. He died in our place, and now he offers this free gift to all who call upon him in repentance. I think of the scripture there in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, 4, another verse. God declared her desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now that doesn't mean it's a universal salvation just because he died. Everybody's going to heaven. Not long ago, somebody told us that. Oh yes, everybody's going to heaven. Because we live in Christian America. No, you must accept the gift. You must seek the gift. And Jesus has it there for you. Verse 4, he says, he goes on to say, We were buried together with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's one of the verses, by the way, we as brethren Christ use when we do baptism. That's coming up February the 17th. This supports adult baptism by immersion. We take these words literally and we put them into practice. I thank God for Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, or there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Remember, self-control is literally an inward strength. This is not the fruit of striving and struggling. Quite the opposite. It's the last fruit that's mentioned there in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, kindness. Pardon this one. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Say the last one. Self-control. 
Thank you. And here, boy, she let us all. That's good. The learning, Laura. <laughs> Self-control. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to live within us and to give us that inner strength in time of need. And lastly, there's one more discipline that I think greatly helps us in the matter of self-discipline, and that is fasting. And this can be done in so many different ways. A couple years ago, I did a series on fasting. Uh, most of the time, we think, well, that means not eating a meal. But it could be a lot of things. Some people love their, their sodas. Maybe the Lord wants you to give sodas up for a while. Or your desserts, your pies. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Whatever it might be. It doesn't hurt us to be fasting and prayer, seeking God's divine will in earnest. And so may our prayer be then today, Lord, help us to all truly be disciplined believers. Apostle Paul says to each one of us today in closing, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is that good, acceptable, and perfect will? Let's stand together as a person.